Welcome to Hydrant Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us, whether you're listening on your phone on the way to work or while you're working out or sitting together as a family on the couch, learning and growing and worshiping together. We're so glad that you have trusted us with this time and we believe that God is using this series of messages called Elephant in the Room to make a real difference in families, in homes, and in our lives. And we're, we're so thankful for this opportunity to be able to connect a little bit in this way. We have been in a series of messages, as I said a moment ago, called Elephant in the Room. We're looking at family matters and, and things that are involved in family life by looking at the life of David. Now, David was a man after God's own heart, but when we look at Scripture, we get to see the good and the bad and the ugly of David's life. And there is plenty of all three of those things. We're kind of using David's life as a, as a laboratory and his family life as a laboratory for us understanding how our own family life tends to operate. Now, we started this whole series with an invitation to be candid and courageous, that, that elephants move into our home and make themselves the family pet whenever we pretend like there aren't any issues. The goal is not a problem-free family. The goal is an elephant-free family. There's no such thing as a problem-free family. We all have problems. We all have issues. We all have times when we have a bad attitude or we are, we're acting in ways that we shouldn't. We all have sin in our lives that we need God to deal with and we need our families to help us to deal with. And until we're candid, we aren't able to really do anything about it. When we start calling out the elephants, that's when they leave the room. That's when we're able to then be courageous enough to deal with the real issue in our family and see our family grow in this healthy dynamic, this healthy family. Now, we've been talking a little bit about uh, belittling and belonging, and we said last week that in our homes, if there is belittling, then there's not belonging. You can't have both operating in the same space, and we want to be the kind of people that bring out the best in others. We want to be the kind of people that lift others up and make them to believe in what's possible. We want to be the kind of people that create environments and atmospheres of belonging and safety so that those we care about can go on to build self-esteem and become everything God created them to be. Now, there is a big roadblock for a lot of us in becoming everything that we were created to be. And it's a really simple thing, but it's a hard thing to master. It comes down to self-discipline. Healthy families are built on self-discipline. Healthy men and women, healthy adults, are, are built by having self-discipline in their lives. The strength, the strength of the family is measured by the self-discipline enacted in the family. We can't, we can't live our lives to their full potential. We can't score in life. We can't win in life if we don't have self-discipline. Self-discipline allows us to operate in bounds. 
There are, there are boundaries to every part of life, whether we like it or not. There are relational boundaries and there are boundaries to our marriage or financial and emotional boundaries. There's, there's boundaries in families and boundaries in our work. And if we try to operate outside of the boundaries, if we try to go out of bounds, we're going to get called back every single time. Now, years ago, Anita and I kind of made this little deal. I am a huge Duke basketball fan. Ever since I was in high school, I've watched every season, nearly every game that has been on TV. Got to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium two or three times. Love Duke basketball. But I, I also enjoy watching all kinds of sports. So Anita and I made a deal. We made a deal that I wouldn't watch sports all the time, but whenever Duke was on, I would, could stop anything and not have to do anything else but watch that game. And so I got to watch the Duke basketball games, and that deal worked out really well for us for about 15 years, and then Noah hit his teenage years and got into sports. He loves all kinds of sports. The first sport he really got into, though, was football. And when he got into sports, I got to start watching sports with him, and it was amazing. And, and so we were watching the Carolina Panthers. That's his favorite football team. Watching all kinds of football games, and it was, it was great. I love cheering for the big play. I love seeing the, that long Hail Mary pass or the big run after a punt for a touchdown. And one of the most disheartening things Man, it just kills me inside. Whenever I see a player make that big play, they run for 60 or 70 or 80 yards for a touchdown, and they're cheering and they're dancing and they're celebrating because they just scored. And then the, the referee blows a whistle and he points way back, like 50 yards back where the player had stepped out of bounds. And all that dancing and all that celebrating was for nothing. He didn't really score because he stepped out of bounds. The problem is in our families that, that when our families are unhealthy, we'll still cheer and pretend like we scored even when we go out of bounds. But life doesn't work that way. You can't live out of bounds and win. You're not going to win financially and build savings and, and pay off debt by by spending everything you make and more. You're not going to build a healthy marriage by flirting with coworkers. You're not going to build a great work relationship if you can't understand that you got to show up on time and do the things you say you're going to do. You're not going to be able to succeed and score and win if you're stepping out of bounds. All around our culture, there are people who are stepping out of bounds and trying to cheat the rules and pretending like they scored, pretending like they won, but it always gets called back. Only dysfunctional families pretend like the score counts when people go out of bounds. Pretend like it didn't happen. Pretend like they don't see the problem. Pretend like the behavior, the attitude, the issue is not really something that matters. And we say things like, well, that's just the way they are. That's just the way they are. You just got to kind of walk around walk on eggshells around them. You just kind of, you don't talk to dad about that, or you only ask mom about this, or, or you avoid this conversation. We, we, as long as that's happening, 
we're never really going to be the kind of family that we were meant to be. So the question is, are you operating out of bounds? Are you playing around, stepping out of bounds when you should be running in for a touchdown? Is your family operating out of bounds? So today we want to talk a lot about parenting, but it really applies to all of us. If you're in your late teens, early 20s, early 30s, then your key issue is self-discipline. And it doesn't matter whether you were disciplined well or wisely as a child. It doesn't matter what was handed to you. When you hit that age of late teenagers, teenage years and your 20s, it is up to you to decide the kind of person you're going to be, to start to make choices for yourself. Will you be self-disciplined in the way you eat? Will you be self-disciplined in the way you take care of your body? Will you be self-disciplined in continuing to develop your mind? Will you be self-disciplined in your dating relationships? Will you be self-disciplined in your finances? And nobody else can do that for you. But the only way that you're going to build a strong life, the only way that you're going to build an elephant-free zone in your home, whether you're single or married or have kids, is if you're willing to stay in bounds. And you have to learn to be self-disciplined. And it takes some intentionality, and it takes some effort, and it takes some time, but you can do it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what came before. It doesn't matter who's let you down or how they failed you. You can't blame them. And you start to hit these ages, and you're, you're a young adult, it's up to you. The good news is it's not too late. I meet and work with and talk to plenty of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who have yet to learn self-discipline, yet to develop these skills and ability to be self-controlled, yet to surrender their life to the Spirit of God in that way. But it's never too late. Without self-discipline, we're never going to really be who we're supposed to be. But it, there's an additional layer to this if you're parents. As parents, we have a responsibility to teach our kids self-discipline by, by disciplining them ourselves. Now, discipline gets a bad rap. It, it gets connected to punishment. It gets connected to anger. It gets connected to, to all kinds of things that really it shouldn't be. Discipline is about choosing the best path. It's about choosing our behaviors. It's about self-control. And none of us are born with self-control. It takes learning to make the best decision. It takes learning to, to act with kindness and love toward others. It takes, uh, it takes the, the opportunity to grow in our relationships with one another that just take time. It's not something that happens overnight. And we as parents are meant to raise our kids with discipline so that one day they can be self-disciplined adults. The purpose of parenting is to raise one-time kids. We're not raising kids. We're raising future adults. And we're responsible to give them the things that they need to operate in, as their best self, to operate as the, the man or the woman that God created them to be, to operate in, in hope and joy and love and self-discipline and not selfishness and fear, not doing what they want because it feels good, 
but learning to do what is best. It's not easy to do, but I think that I think Solomon provides some wisdom for us to consider. And it's a verse that many of us shy away from. It's a verse that we don't really want to talk about a lot of times. It's in, it's in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, it says this, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Listen again. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. But those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Another translation says they are careful to discipline them. This is a hard thing. And I, and I honestly wouldn't look at any parent that I know and say, listen, you are, you are behaving in a way that you look like you just hate your children. I don't know a parent that I really truly believe hates their children. But the, the reality is if we fail to teach our kids self-discipline, we set them up for self-destruction. If we fail to teach them self-discipline, we set them up for self-destruction. And I think this verse in Proverbs, it's written by Solomon, one of the sons of David. And I think he's probably looking back on his early life. His life with his, his brothers in Judah as his father was a young king and building his kingdom and his identity as a king. And he is lamenting what's happened to his brothers. He's lamenting what's happened in his family because his dad, his dad had lots of affection, but was low discipline. So Solomon, he takes this moment and he has something he can say to parents. He could write anything at all as the, the wisest man who ever lived. And he writes those words from Proverbs 13, 24, that if we spare our children discipline, then it's as if we hate them. That there is this balance between, between affection and discipline that we need to kind of figure out. And I, and I think that if we were to graph it out, it would help us to see. So let's go over here to the whiteboard. And you can see I've already kind of drawn this graph. And when you go up this way, you get low to high affection. And as we move out this way, you get low to high discipline. And then you can picture, as, as you see this, some quadrants, right? Some quadrants that start to, to take shape. We just kind of draw a line like this. And, and there probably aren't very many of us that are tempted to be kind of low affection and low disciplined parents. This is just the absent parent. This is, this is just rejection of our kids. And I, and I get that in our culture and in our world, this happens. My, my assumption is that if you are taking the time to watch this video, if you are making intentional efforts to build an elephant-free home, then this is probably not where you're tempted. But you are likely to be tempted in the same way that David was in his early years. And that's to give your kids high affection, but low discipline. So as I said that Solomon was likely reflecting on his early childhood as he described 
this, this desire to see parents discipline their children. We said in one of the earlier messages that if we look at David's life, you can unpack it into four seasons. His early childhood, and then this, these years in between families, his family of origin and his own family. And then he had these, these seven years when he was the king of Judah, the two tribes, and he had six children during this time, and he was building his own family, the early years of his family. And then we see the rest of his life from about 30 to 70 when he is the king over all Israel, all 12 tribes, and, and his life kind of unfolds and he reaps the rewards and the, the, the punishments of the life that he had lived up to that point. And, and so if we were to take a look at those, those seven years in Judah, we see that, that he had six boys during this time. One of those, the oldest, is Adonijah. And Adonijah had a really hard time. Adonijah was, was one who decided that he was going to be king. King David had already said that when the time came, Solomon was going to be the next king. But in 1 Kings chapter 6, we find the story of Adonijah who decides that he should be king. doesn't matter what his father said. He's the oldest. He should be king. He even builds up a little militia around him. And it says in, in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 5, that David, David never interrupted his son. He never said to him, why do you behave this way? He never called him for going out of bounds. David never stopped him, never called him out of bounds when he had gone out of bounds. And so for all his life, he lived with this sense of entitlement, this sense of right that he could do whatever he wanted and deserve to take whatever he wanted. Ultimately, we, if we continue to read 1 Kings chapter 6, we see that it leads to Adonijah's ruin as he builds up that militia and he's killed for treason. In fact, all of the brothers born during that season that we know their stories end in ruin. It was a season when David was parenting under a lot of pressure. It's what a lot of young parents deal with. They're building their careers. They're building their identity. They're, they're building their, their, their sense of purpose and, and building all of these things while trying to raise children as well. And, and when that starts to happen and we start to feel the pressure and our time with our children becomes limited, we have a tendency to feel like all they really need from us and all we can really give them right now is affection. That if we were to discipline them, then, then they might rebel against us. They might hate us. And we react and we then begin to parent with high affection and low discipline. The problem is it always leads to ruin. It always leads to ruin. Now, I think that what has happened is that many of us who parent with high affection and low discipline are reacting to maybe some of our own experiences as, child, as children where we were raised in a different quadrant. Because there are a lot of us who are young adults, middle-aged, who were raised in a time when parents had a tendency to offer high discipline and low affection. 
It was more important that you be seen and not heard, that you behave in a certain way at all costs. And there was, there was going to be just really terrible things to deal with if you didn't fall in line. And this, this often leads to rebellion. It often leads to rebellion. We see a lot of church kids, a lot of kids who go off to Christian college and they're on their own for the first time and they get out from under mom and dad's high discipline and they rebel and do whatever they want way out of bounds. And many of them, they're rebelling. And it may lead to their own self-destruction if they're not careful. But neither of these are really effective ways to parent. Can I say that if, if you're not playing with your kids, if you're not out shooting ball, if you're not throwing the ball, if you're not going for walks, if you're not paying attention to what they're doing, if you're not spending time with them, you have no right to discipline them. That is an earned right through affection. That it requires neither parenting with high, high discipline and low affection or high affection, low discipline, that these never turn out well. This is just plain rejection. But a healthy family will operate with high discipline and high affection. High discipline and high affection. A healthy family understands that it takes time together and it takes boundaries with love for us to be able to operate together in the best way. And dads and moms, it's our responsibility to lead the family in this. It's our responsibility to have a conversation with our kids when they step out of bounds and call them back to do what David didn't do with Adonijah so that we can prevent our children from walking in to ruin. Imagine Imagine Solomon sitting in his adult years, writing these words and thinking about Adonijah and his other brothers who, whose lives fell to ruin. Those who lack self-discipline will always self-destruct. Like I said before, and it's actually a Howard Hendricks quote, that, that dads who aren't playing with their children have no right to discipline them. We have to be the kind of men and women who are pouring out affection, pouring out attention with heart, and, and we understand and we know and we listen and we build deep relationships with our kids. But we also have to be the kind of men and women who are able to discipline and teach them how to be self-disciplined for their own good. When we teach them to obey us, we are preparing them to obey God, their heavenly Father. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that He is a loving Father who disciplines their children. It's only through discipline that we find freedom. It's only through discipline that we're able to score in life. It's only through self-discipline that we build the kind of life that we were created to live. And let's just be honest, when you get into adulthood, when you step out of bounds, the world is going to spank you. It's going to call you back. And it's going to hurt way more than the, than the discipline that you as a loving father would give your child. 
when you discipline them now, you prevent them from getting spanked by the world down the road. So the question for parents, what quadrant are you living in? What quadrant are you parenting in? Do you live with self-discipline? Self-discipline? Are you teaching your children self-discipline? Listen, Adonijah's real problem is that he wanted to be king when he was the son of a king. He wanted to pretend to be king when he was the son of a king. He had all of the rights and the privileges of being the son of the king. He had all of the joys and resources of being the son of the king, but that wasn't enough. He wanted to step in and take charge of his life and the kingdom instead of trusting the king. And isn't that the same thing that you and I do? As children of God, isn't that the same thing that you and I do as children of God? We are our children of God who have all of the benefits and the resources of being children of the King of all creation. But we try to take charge and make life about us and do it our way and choose our path. And we go running out of bounds, but still want to dance and celebrate as if we scored, pretending like nobody saw it happen. When really we find self-discipline, we find self-control, not in white knuckling, not in, not in mustering up our will, but in submitting our will to Jesus. He says that when we come to him, that he puts his spirit in us and it begins to grow fruit in us. And the fruit of the spirit includes self-control, the ability to live in bounds. We need the spirit of God's help surrendering our will, surrendering the path we would take and trusting Him and His way, living in bounds, developing self-discipline, passing it on to the next generation. This is how we avoid keeping those elephants around and making them the family. Let's pray. Father, you are good and faithful more patient and generous with us than we ever deserve. And so we ask for your help. We ask for your help in our own lives, that your spirit would fill us and begin to work in us and begin to teach us and grow in us self-control and self-discipline. And then those of us who are parents, God, would you teach us to have high affection and high discipline. That we wouldn't let down our guard and allow our affection to drift low or our discipline to drift low, but that we would believe and bring out the best in one another. That we would create homes where there is immense love and great boundaries with love. There is time together, intentionality, love, that you are glorified and that we really do become who we were created to be. We get to dance and celebrate having really scored in life. In Jesus' name, amen.